0: Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzovino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, if you would please. This is Healing Week, as you well know. And so we do want to talk about that subject. I also encourage you to continue going to the classes. Don't forget about tomorrow night's class. It's important to get as much faith in you as you possibly can, without a doubt. You might be out there saying, well, I'm well, I'm healthy, and I'm whole. Well, then praise God, you're a perfect candidate to pray for somebody else. How many of you know this life is all about love, compassion, and mercy? And people reaching out to each other in faith and believing God together, encouraging each other to move on and move out and move up in the things of God. Can you say amen? amen? So you do what God would have you to do as far as helping us prepare for this Sunday, our services in the morning and in the evening because we believe God for mighty miracles to take place in people's lives, that people could be set free. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, we have a very simple verse of Scripture. It says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. Say it with me. I walk by faith. not by sight. sight. Say it again. I walk by faith faith." not by sight. sight. Now back up just a little bit to verse 18 of chapter 4. Verse 18 of chapter 4. Chapter 4, verse 18. Well, let's read 17 and 18. For our light affliction. Everybody say light affliction. What kind of affliction? It's not heavy, is it? It's light. When you compare it to what God would have you to compare it to, it's a light affliction which is but for a moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen. For the things which are seen are temporal or subject to change, natural, material, physical, subject to change. But the things which are not seen are what? Everybody say eternal. eternal. Unchanging. Not seen. Subject to change. You see, the things of God, the things of the Spirit, the things of the Word are not subject to change. They cannot change. They remain fixed, immovable, planted forever. Heaven and earth can pass away, but the Word of God will never, ever, ever change. Everything that God did for us through Jesus Christ in redemption is unchanging, it will never change. It'll be the same forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. The things of God never change. And the Scripture is saying by faith we are to look at those things that are in the spirit realm that are not subject to change, that are eternal. The eternal facts of God's Word, the eternal promises of God's Word, everything that God has done for us in redemption, our covenant rights and privileges the power of the name of Jesus, the authority of the believer, all that Jesus did for us when He died on the cross, those things are unchanging. They are eternal. They're not subject to change. But the things in the world in which we live, the physical, material, natural world, all those things are subject to change. And if we'll focus on the eternal things of the Spirit through the eye of faith, then we'll be able to change the things that are in the natural, material physical world by those things that are of greater force and power and that's the message that God is really delivering to us through Jesus Christ our focus our attention our eyes are supposed to be on things that are unchanging things that are eternal and we are not to take our eyes off of those things because of the changing world that we live in how many of you have experienced change in your body from day to day won't it make up its mind? One day it's happy, next day it's sad. One day it's healthy, next day there's pain, or there's a sickness, or there's attack in the body. One day your mind is just full of joy and laughter. Next day, it seems like there's a cloud of oppression just waiting to land on you. Well, now what is it? You see, those things are constantly changing. And if we go with the things that are changing, we're going to change. And we're going to be affected by those things. Right? So the Word of God admonishes us and tells us, look, you're not supposed to be focusing in on those things. Now, those things are true. And those things are real. And those things, without a doubt, exist. How many of you know that Christianity is not denying things that exist? We're not talking Christian science here. We're talking Christian sense and Christian reality. We know that there are things out there in the world. There is sickness. There is disease. There is sorrow. There is suffering. There is pain. All those things exist in the world today. But our focus is to be on the things that can't change so that we can change those things by the power of God. I know my body could be unhealthy tomorrow... But I'm not supposed to look at what my body's telling me. I'm supposed to be looking at what the Word of God tells me and the power of God and the name of Jesus and my covenant right and healing belongs to me and my focus and my attention is supposed to be on those things that are eternal. Why? So that by the power of God, I can change those things that can be changed. You can't change the spiritual things of the spirit world and I can't change those things that are eternal but I can change things that are subject to change in the material, physical, natural world in which I live. I want you to turn with me to the book of Romans, please, because here we have a a perfect, classic example of what strong faith is all about. Everybody say, strong faith. faith. Say it again, "Strong strong faith. God wants us to have strong faith. See, strong faith believes and is fully persuaded that God is able to perform what He promises and that even though contradictory circumstances surround us round about and dictate to us otherwise strong faith says my eye is not on those things my eye is upon the things that are unchanging my eye is focused on what God said because I know that what God said is and what God said He has promised He will perform Therefore, I'm going to look at the Word of God and I'm going to fix my attention on what the Word of God said, not on what my body said, not on what my uh, checkbook says, not on what the doctor says, not on what people say. My focus, my attention, is going to be on what Jesus said, what the Word of God said, and the things that God has done for me. That's where my focus is going to be. That's how we walk by faith. We see things through the eye of faith, not through doubt or unbelief or not even being dictated to by the natural material world. That's what this life is all about. Beloved, I didn't write the book. Did some of you think I did? I did not write the book. This is what God's message says. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. He's the one that said we walk by faith and not by sight. He's the one that said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. He's the one that said that fight was a fight of faith because he said, fight the good fight of faith. It's a good fight because it's a fight that you win. Isn't he the one that said that? Absolutely. So he knows all about that. He lived his life by faith. He walked by faith. He said, the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I like that, don't you? He walked with Jesus in such a way that he just began to draw from his faith and he began to live in that realm of faith with Him and said, I realize the things in the natural world that surround me are true and there is a truth to those things. But there's a higher truth that I live by. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is higher than the law of sin and death. And I choose to focus my attention on the higher law. Why? So I can change the things that are subject to the lower law. Boy, I like that, don't you? The higher law is greater than the lower law. Well, if there's strong faith, then there's also weak faith, isn't there? Well, what is weak faith? Weak faith, we could say, is faith that looks or feels for the answer. Faith that is looking or feeling for the answer. Weak faith is faith that is dictated to by the five physical senses. If I don't see it, if I don't... Feel it, if I don't taste it, if I don't smell it, then it's not there. If I don't hear it, it doesn't exist. Those five physical senses play a a vital role in our lives. I mean, you think about it. If there's a glass of milk sitting in front of you and you can't see, and so it's there, but you can't see that it's more like cottage cheese than milk you might take it in your hand and begin to drink it. Because, you see, if your nose didn't work and you couldn't smell it, then you'd just go ahead and begin to drink it because you can't see that it's spoiled. You can't smell that it's spoiled. And if your taste didn't work, you couldn't taste that it's spoiled. And so your eyes didn't, won't work or your smelling doesn't work and your tongue doesn't work. But I guarantee you, once you drink it, your stomach will work. Then we'll bring the whole thing up and start over again and you'll never know what to do next. Our five physical senses play a vital role in all of our lives, right? They do. But, beloved, there's a higher law. Thank God for those five senses and that's why we say we have to live by common sense. Those five senses are important to live by, but God is greater than our five physical senses. And none of those five senses have to be satisfied in order for God to fulfill His Word. As a matter of fact... If I have to see it, then what I'm telling God is this. Unless I see it, I don't believe that you can perform it. You know, that's an insult to God. That's a slap in the face. When doubting Thomas said, unless I see, unless I feel, I will not believe. That was a slap in the face. That was an insult as far as God was concerned. You don't have to be controlled by what you see. You can believe beyond what you can see. You can believe beyond what you can feel. There's something on the inside of you that God gives, beloved. If you're a child of God, you have got the measure of faith. You have got the God kind of faith on the inside of you and so do I. And there's a sixth sense called the sense of faith. And I can believe something that my eyes can't see. I can believe something that my ears can't hear. I can believe something that I cannot feel. Weak faith says, man, I've got to see it to believe it. I've got to feel it. To believe it and I won't accept it unless I see it or feel it or hear it or taste it or smell it but that's not what strong faith says strong faith says this Be it unto me according unto thy word Be it unto me according unto thy word for no word of God is void of power if God said it it doesn't matter what my senses tell me isn't that what Mary said When the angel said to her, You will conceive and bear a child, his name shall be called Jesus, the Son of the Most High. Didn't she say, Be it unto me? Even though she said, Well, how can that be possible since I don't know a man? And the angel said to her, Well, the Holy Ghost is going to come upon you and overpower you and overshadow you and that which shall be conceived in thee shall be the Son of God. And she said, Behold, the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according unto thy word. And never has it ever been said before that one was impregnated without knowing a man. But praise God! I'm telling you, if God says it's possible, everybody say all things are possible, things are possible. To, him to him that believeth. To him that believes beyond his five senses, right. to him who will not be limited or who will not limit God by his five senses, all things are possible to that one. Amen. And here in Romans chapter four and verse eighteen, uh, verse nineteen rather. Romans four. Well, let's back it up to the beginning. Verse 17. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be not as though they were. God calls things which are not as though they were. In other words, it it may not be that way right now, but God calls it that way so it can become that way. God says, let there be light in the midst of darkness. And what happens? There comes light. That's exactly what God does. God calls things which be not as though they were. God says to Abraham and Sarah, you're the father and mother of many nations when they can't conceive or have a child in a ripe old age. But God said they can. God called them the father and mother of nations. Did He not? He called them that before they ever became that. And by those words of His power that He spoke, those faith-filled words, their bodies began to respond to the life of God. Beloved, there is something higher than the life that we have in the natural. It is the life of God that's in our spirit. Would to God that we would learn to unleash the life of God that's in our spirit through the power of our words, faith-filled words that believe God is able to do what He said He would do, who will not go back on His promise or statements of fact from His Word. Where are those that will rise up and say, my five senses will not limit me and they will not dictate to my life? God is bigger than my senses. He is bigger than my emotions. He is bigger than my problem. I believe to see the glory of God. I believe that God can do the impossible. I believe for the impossible to be done in my life. I agree with God and call things that be not as though they were. Body, you may not feel well today, but I call you well. Mind, you might want to be weighed down and bogged down with oppression, but I call you whole. Do you see what God does? That's what God does. Bank account, you may say empty, but I call you full. I call you filled. I call you growing. Mountain of debt. You may look like a giant, but I call you a molehill. I call you a molehill. You cannot stay. You can't stay in my way. You will not. You will not. You will not. You see what you're doing? You're calling things which be not as though they were. Why? Because that's what God does. Do you know what He's called you? Anybody here ever been called something in your life? Someone ever call you a name? I've been called a lot of things. And I'm sure you have too. But do you know what really counts is what God calls you? Do do you really know what He calls you? Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Say I'm a son of God. A A child of of God. An heir of God. See, that's what He calls you. What's important is what God calls us. And if I'll call myself what God calls me, you know what happens? I begin to rise up to that position. I call myself the righteousness of God in Christ, and what happens? His righteousness that is on the inside of me begins to take over my life. I call myself the love of God, the agape of God, living in this human flesh. And what happens? The love of God begins to just flow out from me. I call myself healed. I call myself whole. Do you see what He's wanting us to do? I call my body responding to life. I call my soul responding to life. I call my my brain cells responding to life. I call them healed. Why? Because Jesus bore my sickness and Jesus carried my pains and by the stripes of Jesus I was healed. And God calls me healed and if He calls me healed then I should call myself healed. Amen? I should be careful about what I call myself. And you should be careful about what you call yourself. Make sure you're lining up with the Word of God because if you're not You are giving voice to the enemy and you're allowing him to use your very words to do what? To bring you down, to make you sick, to keep the mountains of debt high and higher and higher and higher. But I'm telling you, when you start saying what God's Word says about yourself and calling things which be not as though they were, they become and things change in your life. Who against hope, verse 18, believed in hope? that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken faith is not a step out in darkness faith is stepping out on what god has spoken god said it everybody say god said it, god said it. and what god said i can say about myself no matter what my body says my mind says or people say or the devil See, I can say what God said about me because God's not a liar. Let God be true and every man be a liar. Let God be true and every man be a liar. Let God be true and every man be a liar. What God said about me is so no matter what I think, no matter what I feel, no matter what anybody else says. Now, this can sound somewhat arrogant if you're not walking in love and and recognize that you're supposed to have a right mental attitude about the things of God. But you know you cannot become more righteous than you are right now and I cannot become more righteous than I am right now. You know why? He became sin for us who knew no sin that we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ. So everybody say to me, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. How can you get more righteous than that? You can. not But what you can get is more righteous conscious. You can become more conscious of your righteousness. And that's where growth comes in. But you cannot become more righteous than you are right now because you're the righteousness of God in Christ and you don't get more righteous than that. And how did you become that? He made you that. Anybody here a child of God? He made you a child of God. Anybody here His workmanship? He made you His workmanship. Well, what kind of workmanship does God do? Half-hearted? No, He goes all out, right? Anybody here serve an extravagant God? Anybody serve an extravagant God? You know you do. I mean, He owns the cattle and, and, and silver and gold on the thousand hills. Uh, it all belongs to Him. He paves His streets in glory with gold. Think about that. That's construction material up in heaven. Think about that for a while. That's extravagant, wouldn't you say? You serve an extravagant God. Isn't that true? Well, listen. He's the one that said, I made you a certain way. And if He made you that way, then you are what He made you. He, uh, you are what He made you. He did a tremendous work in you. And I'll go a step further than that. He made the first Adam the first creation out of the dust of the earth. But you know He made the second Adam, the, uh, He made the second creation, the new creation, out of His Son. I said He made the first Adam out of the dust of the earth. But He made the second Adam, the second man in, in Christ, this, the new creation, out of His Son. Boy, chew on that for a while, swallow that for a while. Because that shows you who you are. Do you know what's telling you that you're not really what God wants you to be? You're flesh. And Mr. Crazy Maniac Devil, he's telling you, you're nothing. That's a bunch of talk. You're not really healed. You're not really whole. You're not really righteous. You're a worm in the dust. How many people have have, have fallen for that hook, line, and sink? They've swallowed that. God didn't say that about you. God said, you're a new creation. If any man be in Christ, he is a new what? A new creature, a new creation. And one translation says, you ready for this one? Can you bear it? I don't know. Are you ready for it? A new species that never before existed. I'm preaching better than you're shouting right now. He made you a new creation, a new species that never before existed. The first Adam was made out of the dust of the earth. The second Adam was the Son of God who came from heaven. And the new creation is born out of the second Adam. Of His own will begat He us. God gave birth to us in the person of His Son. He brought us forth from the bosom of His Son. We're the offspring of the Most High God. He gave us His divine nature. We need to start saying that about ourselves. You see, His healing is only inside of us. His health is only inside of us. Listen to this. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ears unto my sayings. Let them not depart from before thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are... Everybody say life. Life. Say it again, "life." life. See, everybody wants health. They are life to those that find them and health to all their flesh. Isn't that what Proverbs 4, 22 says? They are life to those that find them. Everybody say life. Life. Everybody say health. health. Health to all their flesh. And we all want health, but wait a minute. Let's not get the cart before the horse. We want health, but don't forget life is what gives health. The secret to health is the life of God in us. The life of God in us. Say, I've got the life of God in me. The nature of God in me. The The character of God in me. God's virtue. See, the Bible says that. 2 Peter 1, 4 says that He gave us, made us to be partakers of His divine nature. We've been partakers of the divine nature of God. The first Adam was born of the dust of the earth, and God breathed the breath of life into him. And he became a living soul. But you and I have been born of the Spirit and washed in His blood. We don't have the Adamic blood. We've got the blood of the Lamb. Transfusion time. Can you see that? There's a difference. The new creation is a new species that never before existed. Brought out of the bosom of uh, uh, of the Son of God Himself. The first begotten from the dead. And you know what? God's so smart. If He knows the number of hair we have in our heads, all of our heads put together, He knows all that. He knows what number you are. Jesus was the firstborn. Someone else was the second. Someone else was the third. Someone else was the fourth. What number are you? God will, you know, He'll just look at you and say, Oh, number... uh... (laughs) No, I think He'll call you by your name. But He knows what number you are. Now notice this. In verse 19, that's what I was trying to get to. And being not weak in faith. Everybody say, it's possible, faith. it's possible to be weak in faith. And don't be insulted by that. You know, I, I really believe this, the, the, the positive step you can make towards strong faith is to admit, man, I'm weak in faith in this area. Lord, help mine unbelief. As I pour over your word, as I look to what it says, let your spirit do a work in me and change me. Because you don't have to change. How many of you know that Abraham had to change? How many of you know that when Abraham and Sarah were first told this, they laughed in the face of God? Right? Absolutely. But God wasn't done dealing with them, was He? When they finally got done with all their laughter, God just kept looking at them and looking at them and looking at them and looking at them. And And finally they looked up and said, You mean it, don't you? You really mean it, don't you? And they got a hold of it and said, Okay. Okay. If that's who you say we are, that's who we are. And being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body now dead. You can't get worse than that. Now dead. When he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God. Staggered. What staggered reminds you of? Somebody drunk, staggering, can't get his bearings, can't maintain, walking straight, Why? Because he's tipsy. See, when we stagger at the promise of God, we are weak in faith. We are wavering in our faith. We're in doubt and unbelief. We're vacillating between two opinions. Our flesh says one thing, the Word says another thing, the doctor says this thing, and and the Word says that. And we're going back and forth, staggering back and forth. It's time to fix our position. It's time to anchor our soul. It's time to grip our hands on the promises of God and say, God, that's what you said and I am not changing my position. If that's what you said, that is what is and I'm not even going to consider what my body is saying, what the doctor is saying. By your stripes, I was healed. I am healed. I'm your child. I have your life in me. And because I have your life in me, your words that are life to me become health to all my flesh. Amen. That's what I was getting to in Proverbs chapter 4. His words first become life to us on the inside. Then they become health to all of our flesh. And the word in the Hebrew means medicine. And if you want medicine, God's medicine. Everybody say God's medicine. God's medicine. See, that's supernatural medicine flowing through all your flesh. Then you've got to say the word of God that I'm giving attention to is becoming life in me and then it produces health in your body. Medicine to all your flesh a supernatural working of God in your flesh to make it healthy and whole. If it needs to recover from a disease, it will recover. But when and how, as we focus on what God said and don't get off on the tangents and don't be victimized by doubt and unbelief. And I know that's work. I know it's going to be a dedication on our part. But look at the reward. The rewards are great. They certainly are. So he said he wasn't weak in faith. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was, everybody say, "Strong strong in faith. See, he was strong in faith. Strong in faith. Strong faith gives glory to God and is fully persuaded that what God promised, he is able also to perform. That's what strong faith does. Father, that's what you said. And if you said it, you're able to perform it. And so no matter what anyone else says, I'm fixing my position. I am anchoring my soul. I am taking my stand. I am declaring that what you said about me is true. said, by the stripes of Jesus, I'm healed. Or whatever it may be, whatever promise of God, if it's health for your body, deliverance for your soul, whatever it is, we've got to get a hold of the Word of God and fix our position and say, look, God, this is what you said. And I am tired of of dealing with the enemy and I'm tired of dealing with the flesh and and enough is enough as far as I'm concerned and I, I don't want this anymore. I mean business. I'm taking it to heart. I'm going to take your word, whatever your promise is, and you can pick a promise or a statement of fact from the Word of God that promises whatever it is you desire and you can get a hold of that and I'm telling you, if you'll grip it inside your heart and let it become alive, life to you, it'll eventually become health to your flesh. And I want to share a testimony about that in a moment. But that was the testimony of Abraham who didn't stagger at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith. And that defines strong faith right there. Strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded what God said he is able also to perform. So, beloved, if we look to the promise of God through the eye of faith, if we refuse to bow our knee to the problem or the evidences of the senses or the surrounding contradictory circumstances, then, through the eye of faith, that which can be changed will be changed. And that which cannot be changed will be the reality that you experience in your life. Now, I don't know about you, but that's good. And that's what God wants us to do. He wants to get His Word in us. He wants us to believe His Word. He wants us to speak the Word out of our mouths because we believe it from our heart. Get our eyes off the circumstances or the problem. Give glory to God and know that what God said... You ready for this? What God said must become as you call things that be not as though they are because it's impossible for God not to honor His Word. That is impossible. It's impossible for God to lie. If God said it, it's got to become. This is years back, way back, years back. I I, I just took off with the, the ministry of healing It just intrigued me, I guess. It just, God spoke to my heart by His Spirit when I first started reading the Bible. And I saw in Matthew chapter 4 how Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil and and casting out devils and healing the sick. And and compassion just rose up on the inside of me as I just began to see this wonderful Savior at work. And I never saw Him like that before. I had never known Him like that before. But it impressed, I should say it made an impression upon my heart. And upon my mind. And I just began to weep before the Lord because I saw how He longed to reach out through compassion and touch lives. And you know what? They weren't even saved people. They weren't even saved people. Sometimes we've got to get our minds renewed to this. They weren't even saved people. They just came to Him. And if they came to Him, He healed them. Why did he heal them? Because of compassion. Because it's his nature to heal. Because he loved humanity. That's why he came. He couldn't tolerate what Satan was doing in the lives of people any longer. He came to give them life and to give it more abundantly to them. That is the nature of God. That is exactly what Jesus did when he came to the earth to represent the Father. And so the people were made whole everywhere he went. And it just touched my heart and touched my mind. And so I began to study more deeply about the subject of divine healing and health and faith and how to make it work and, and devoted my life to helping people learn how to make it work for them. But these are some of the instances that took place as I began to step out and just not look at the natural, but look at the supernatural. Not look at the problem, but look at the problem solver. Not look at man's word, but to look at God's word and put man's word beneath God's word. Let God be true and every man be a liar. Are you getting those points? And... On one occasion I found myself up in my old mill crane where I used to be and I mean to tell you I had this like a flu come came on my body I'm in the, working on the night shift go up into my crane cab and I'm up there at work and just as miserable as miserable can be how many of you know what I mean by the expression I had to get better to die I would have had to get better to die but I thought about that verse in Proverbs 4 20 through 22 that my words are life to those that find them and health or medicine to all their flesh. And I said, okay, Lord, your word is a medicine to all my flesh. And so I took the Bible. On the night shift in the mill crane, you can get a lot of reading in without shirking your responsibilities or duties. Because when the mill's running and I'm sleeping, they're happy. If the mill's broke down and I'm sleeping, they're unhappy. (laughs) So even though it was a night shift, I said, okay, I'm starting with the gospel of John. And I'm going to read from John right on through because your word is medicine. And so since it doesn't say take only once a day or three times daily, I can take as much of this medicine as I want. It's supernatural and it's working. And so I began reading with John, couldn't even talk. I'm reading through John, I'm reading it out loud. I must have read for an hour straight before they tooted for me and I had to go over there and make a list. Came back, opened up my Bible once again, kept right on reading. I read right on through the night and by the time it was about 5, 5.30 in the morning and the light, you know, it was in the summertime and, and it started to get light outside. As I was reading, I found myself reading out loud with no symptoms in my body whatsoever, but my body was completely healed through the night from reading the Word of God. His words are medicine to all our flesh. That's exactly what, how it happened. And you know, you're stepping out to explore these things because I'm new at this. And I just want to find out what God meant, if He really meant what He said. And I prove, it says, prove all things. I proved to myself that what God said about that is true. His word indeed was a medicine to all my flesh. And then I remember another verse in James chapter 5, where it talks about James 5:14. Is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over them. them all in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise them up, and commit they sin shall be forgiven them. Remember that? Pray one for another, for, uh, forgive one another that you may be healed. For the affection of a forever righteous man makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. Now, I took those verses to heart. And we just began to get little bottles of oil. I I wasn't a preacher. I was just, someone just just newly got saved. And I would take these little little bottles of oil. And if someone said they were sick, I would just take it and anoint them with oil. And this one girl was in the hospital and she got wind that we were doing this. And so she called the house and said, Would someone come and anoint me with oil in the name of the Lord, like James 5.14 says, because I heard you believe in that. And I said, Certainly we will. My brother and I both went up there, went to the hospital, and she had a tumor in her body. And she was in there because she couldn't... uh, It was a problem, a female problem, was a problem with her becoming pregnant. And and there was this tumor, you know, on her ovaries and all that sort of thing. And so we went up there and just... Open up the Bible to James 5.14, and it says, This is what the eternal word of God says. And anointed her with oil in the name of the Lord. Now, we're talking green. We're talking just just saying. We're talking about just starting to apply these principles because it says in the word of God. I think God, I'd li- listen to half the people that try to tell me those things were done away with and, and they were for yesterday and not today and, and all that. Aren't you glad? Yeah. Thank God we can believe that it's true today. Yeah. And so, just took it, anointed her with oil in the name of the Lord, and prayed the prayer of faith and went home. After we praise the Lord together, after we left, you know what this girl did? You talk about wild, you talk about fanatical, you talk about someone who dared believe God. She told the nurse when she came in, she said, "You know what? I've just been anointed in the name of the Lord with oil, and the prayer faith was prayed over me, and therefore I no longer have a tumor." And the nurse looked at her like, "Right?" She said, "You don't understand." I was just anointed with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith was prayed over me and I no longer have a tumor. We just checked you an hour ago. You have a tumor. But I was just anointed with oil in the name of the Lord. Therefore, I am healed. And she just made a fuss. And then she starts saying to the next nurse that came in, and I'm going home in the morning. When the doctor comes in to see me, he'll tell me I'm healed and I'm going home. And I mean, they thought she was a lunatic. You know, sometimes you just have to swallow hard and say, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks about me. That's what God said, and I'm honoring God's Word. You know, the next day the doctor came in, checked her, because they were going to operate. She was in there for an operation. Checked her. Checked her twice, checked her three times, looked at her. So we're going to take some x-rays. She said, why? What's the matter? He said, I can't seem to find it. Well, I know. I was prayed for. I was anointed. God healed me. Well, to make a long story short, they went ahead, took all the tests, did everything they had to do, concluded there's no longer a tumor there, said, go home, send her home. She went home and, praised God, got pregnant. Beautiful baby boy. Isn't that wonderful? Now, I want to show you immaturity, the epitome of immaturity at work. Have you ever been there before? My brother says to me, Now, whose faith do you think got her healed, yours or mine? I said, well... I don't really know about that, but I know hers had a lot to do with it. (laughs) Isn't that something when you first, if we had, you know, if if God just played back our lives after we first got saved, would you be embarrassed? Think about it. And showed all those immature things we did and said when we first got saved. And boy, you pray, I hope nobody saw that. (laughs) Think about it. But you see, it was her faith. Yeah, we did what God said to do. We prayed the prayer of faith. But you know what? That woman, she started calling things that be not as though they were. And she took it, I mean, she took off with that message and she just believed in her heart. She said it with her mouth. She was not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. She just, as far as she was concerned, she anchored her soul on the Word of God and she implanted that Word inside her heart. It became life to her. It was alive to her. Boy, I like that, don't you? First it becomes alive or light to you. Then it becomes what? Health to all your flesh. See, too often people want it to become health without it becoming life. Let it become life first. Then it will be health to all of our flesh. And I can just go on and show how just using the Word of God. Like He said right there in Romans chapter 4. According to what was spoken. According to what God said. Just taking the Word of God and just going to God and saying, God, this is what You said. And you know what? I'm anchoring my soul on what You said. This is what You said and it's what I believe and I refuse to be deceived by anything that says otherwise. I refuse to give in to my surroundings. I refuse to give in to my feelings. Well, now, someone out there saying, well, what am I supposed to do with my feelings? What am I supposed to do with my feelings? Well, you know what? If God is the one that told us we walk by faith and not by feeling, then we should look to Him and say, Father God, when my feelings rise up, I expect You to help me do something about it. I expect you to intervene and help me do something about my feelings because my feelings are real. Pain is real. Everything in the natural world is real. But I'm looking you to you to help me do something about these feelings that I feel. I'm looking to your word. You take care of my feelings. You take care of the circumstances. You take care of the situation. You take care of these emotions I'm feeling right now. I'm just going to get busy on the word. You get busy on the problem. I'm going to get busy looking at the solution. You take care of the problem. And you know what? He will. I said He will. Everybody say He will. will. Your God's a miracle worker. He can't wait to work a miracle in your life. He is looking for people to step out and just say, my God loves me. My God cares for me. And you know what? Whatever it is that I need that He has promised in His Word, He will do for me and He'll do it right now in my life. And all I've got to do is get my focus on His Word and, and, and through the eye of faith, look at the things that are eternal and unchanging. The facts the promises, the statements of fact from His Word that are unchanging. And as long as I look at those truths, then praise God, my body has to line up, my bank account has to line up, my, my soul has got to line up, whatever. My demeanor has got to line up. Everything has got to line up. My bones have got to line up. I remember one time, and this is, this is just, just stepping out. We first began stepping out in this area of ministry, and it's been a while since doing something like this uh, of this nature, but who knows? Maybe we'll go back to it quickly. But I remember, this was way that, back years ago in, in the Midland Church downtown. And I was doing some studying on, on how to, to get people healed, delivered, and set free by the power of God. And oh, I'll tell you, sometimes when you step out in faith, mm, sometimes you sweat. Ever been there before? Now, you know you can't control the sweat. You can't control those feelings all the time when you're daring step out on the Word of God, like getting out of the boat. But that stopped stop you from getting out of the boat and I remember even practicing on myself this method but one method was to get God to grow out arms and legs to get God to grow out arms and legs and I just boldly announced that we're gonna have people come up that have one leg shorter than the other or one arm shorter than the other and God is going to grow out arms and legs right before your very eyes and we did it in such a way that that people would have to actually see it happen see it done have people come up, let's say, with one arm shorter than the other as they stretch them both out equally and there'd be a, a marked difference between the two and we would just pray and look to God and ask Him to adjust their back, their spine, whatever needed to be adjusted, any muscles or whatever to change and, and just to begin a work and you can just see the power of God come on as the, as the arm just began to move on its own accord. And we did the same thing with people. We'd sit them down and you'd see one leg was shorter than the other and sometimes it's a condition that's in the, you know, in the back or the spine, and that sort of thing. And so we asked God to do something about it, and we rebuked the condition and asked Him to move upon the, the muscles and, and whatever needed to be changed for this leg to grow out or for the arm to grow out. And we began to see that happen. As a matter of fact, we've had people give testimonies as to how they had this condition and their leg grew out, and, and whether it was from an injury or, or in some cases even from birth. But they were healed by the power of God that way, just by stepping out and believing that God can do the impossible. You know what, saints? God wants us to step out on His Word and expect Him to do the impossible. He is waiting for people to say, you know what, my confidence level, as far as my five physical senses are concerned, is not going to be higher than my confidence in your Word and in your performance of your Word and your carrying out your promises in my life and your statements of fact. matter of fact, if you want to learn to develop, and I'll close with this statement, if you want to learn to develop dominating faith, faith that dominates circumstances, be it sickness and disease, your financial problems or whatever, uh, spiritual conditions, uh, demon powers. If you want to have faith that dominates, dominating faith, there are three things that we all have to really understand and get insight into and develop in our understanding of the things of God. And number one is what Christ did for us in the plan of redemption. What He did for us. And never underestimate what Christ did for you because that's the foundation of it all. What did Christ do for us? What did He do for you? You have to have that revelation. He broke the power of Satan. He redeemed us from the fall. He gave me the forgiveness of sins. He remitted all my sins. He gave me right standing before the Father as a result of what, as far as His redemptive work. What did He do for me? He bore my sickness and He carried my pains. All that He did for me, I must have a clear, deep understanding of what Jesus did for me. And you know, the church of today has failed to major in that teaching and revelation, the polling revelation. A lot of sermons are taken from the Old Testament or the Gospels and they forget about what God has done for them when Jesus died and rose again after paying the penalty. So that's number one. We have got to know what Jesus did for us and put that word in our hearts and our minds. Let that be the anchor for the soul and say it and declare it because that's how great faith comes. Number two, what has He done in me? See, that's what He did for me. He broke the power of Satan. He broke the power of sin. He broke the power of spiritual death. Bore my sickness. Carried my pain. He did all that for me. Now what did He do in me? In me? My goodness, now I'm a child of God. Now I'm a son of God. Now I'm an heir of God. I join every with Jesus Christ. In Him I live and move and have my being in Him. I have it all. I'm a new creature, new creation, new species never before existed. What did He do in me? He did all these things in me. He changed me from the inside out. He gave me a new song. He gave me the right to use His name. What has He done in me? He has made me to sit with Him in the high places of God. What's He done in us? And then say it. Declare it. That's what faith does. Then you ready for this? What can He do through you? People fail to say what He can do through them. Can He heal the sick through you? Don't be like the one that says, I laid hands on ten, none got healed, so I quit. Be like the one that says, I've laid hands on a hundred, none got healed and fourteen died, but I'm going for a hundred and one. I'm going for a hundred and two. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop. I'm not going to stop because Jesus said, lay your hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. I'm changing, not the word. Somebody say amen. Amen. I've got to change, not the Word. So I'm going to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it till it becomes life to me. And then it works. Let's all stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. and experience God bless